just going to get right into it. Um, Sharon, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Thank you. Thank you again, Elijah, for giving me this opportunity to speak to um, your guests and to be amongst family and friends within the community. Um, again, my name is Sharon Elamine, and I am running for Minneapolis School Board, District 2. Um, I have chosen to run for District 2 this time being my community where I live, which is north side of Minneapolis. This is my second run uh, for a school board, so it is an opportunity for me to um, engage a little more and dive deeply with my community and connect with the families and community that I work with. Um, I did run back in 2018, uh, which was my first time actually really jumping into the political arena. Um, I learned uh, quite a bit, met lots of very um, interesting people, again, continuing to just connect and continue my community engagement within the city of Minneapolis. Um, for my first run, I mean, I didn't get the win that I wanted, but I always tell myself that I did win because I received over 47,000 new supporters, wow. um, new voters, um, just new people to connect with as we try to continue to fight for our students in Minneapolis, our families. So um, I'm excited. Um, I feel like I'm more equipped this time with running for school board. And again, District 2 is where I am known, my family is known. Um, we have a greater opportunity to reach more people and to really just stand out for our children and our families within the community. Absolutely, Sharon, absolutely. So how long have you been a resident or lived in the Northside area? Um, Northside Minneapolis has actually been my home since I relocated here from Chicago as my hometown. Um, so we, I've been in Northside Minneapolis for over 30 years now. Wow. Um, so deeply rooted, um, owned a business within North Minneapolis for over 15 years. Um, my family, my husband is actually ma'am at our masjid, which is Masjid Anur, which is right in the heart of North Minneapolis. Um, all of my children have went to Minneapolis public schools, and so we are very, very deeply rooted um, within our community and establishment and just the community engagements that's needed within north side of Minneapolis. Wow, that's amazing. So we got a mother, grandmother, small business owner, longtime resident of North Minneapolis, finally stepping up, running for office, trying to create some positive change within the community. Absolutely. Um, that, that, that's amazing. That's amazing. So you spoke about that you had about 47,000 new supporters when you ran back in 2018 for mm -hmm. school board. Um, how did that make you feel, having that many people vote for you? You know what? Um, again, like I said, I was, um, I was very pleased. Mm -hmm. I didn't win the seat, but I still won. You know, I, I say it all the time, I won, because, again, I've created new opportunities. Um, I've established my parent organization, which is Perils, which is Parents Alliance re Reclaiming Our Schools. Um, it, it empowered me even more to know that, again, this was my first time jumping into that arena, um, I don't feel like I did everything I could have done, um, but again, now I feel more equipped. I kind of know the road to take, if you will, mm -hmm. um, and I'm ready to to just dive in and go forward. So I feel strongly um, supported and committed. I kept the communication. Um, I started working with different people, so it's an opportunity to create even more of an opportunity for me within the community. Absolutely. So. And, and politics is a difficult, difficult game, especially if you're not accustomed and equipped to go into it, right? So mm -hmm. you have to do a lot of research. Um, you have to really know the right folks to get in front of. So, I mean, the simple fact that you're able to get 47,000 supporters 
in a school board race to come out and support you that that's amazing right yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so absolutely. that is not no no small accomplishment at all that's actually a huge accomplishment so congratulations on that Thank and you. hopefully we can increase that 47,000 um to more and really win this year right and, and right so I'm, that, I'm thinking that's what the hope is yep that is the goal that is the work um I'm excited my team you know that I'm building that we have put together we are really ready to uh to move forward and step into the arena and fight for our families, right? We know um, the different disparities that we face, right? We know all the different challenges that we face within our community. So it's time for us, uh, for someone that actually lives within the community, that knows the people, that will continue to be amongst the people, regardless of when or not, right? I'm here to stay. So um, me winning the seat, it's, it's an opportunity for us to have someone from us to be there to represent, to be at the table, to continue to fight, to listen to um, the concerns of the community, and to also bring those concerns back to the board. So that is what is missing within our school board. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sounds like a whole lot of accountability to me. And speaking of hope, right, um, would you mind telling our audience a little bit about what your vision is for 2020? Well, um, for 2020, again, my platform changed just a little bit. When I ran in 2018, um, I ran on a We Must Act Now. This year, I'm diving a little further, and we're going with action. So my team is set on a platform of actions being accountability, um, community engagement, the whole transparency, um, being more innovative, opportunity, and being able to take on the next generation or fight for the next 400 years, right, as we move our families together. We are, we're dealing with a very challenging time right now. I mean, COVID-19 has come, and it has hit us, and we know that the disparities were there, but now they're showing up even more, right? Mm -hmm. So um, the fact that our children are being left behind, we knew that, right? But COVID-19 just kind of pulled the blanket off, right? And it's showing us more. You know, our children are still not um, equipped when it comes to technology, yeah. right? We are so far behind when it comes to the basic things that our children need within our Minneapolis public schools. So it's, all, it's like, why... Did it take COVID-19, right, to bring this to our attention? We know our children are way behind when it comes to learning. We know our children are way behind when it comes to reading, when it comes to the basic, um, the basic education that they need to be able to succeed in this society. So I am here. Uh, my goal and what we work on, again, is just really fighting for more equity to making sure that our children have what they need. You know, regardless of COVID-19 or not, our children should be able to keep up with what is happening in this world. Absolutely. We still have children to this day that did not have, you know, the technology that they needed, right? The laptops, the things for them to be able to stay abreast, right? Yeah. To stay engaged. But not only do you just give them the technology, we need to make sure that they understand how to operate it, right? So yeah. if we're not having these type of classes in our schools, right? If we're not teaching them about um, technology and we're not teaching them about Microsoft Word and we're not teaching them how to use all these different programs, mm -hmm. what do we expect? So right now we're dealing with um, <clears throat> our children are still going to be left behind if we don't continue to fight, if we don't continue to show up, if we don't make sure that our children are being engaged Right, with the right type of training and the right type of equipment that they need in order to move forward. And so COVID-19, again, it's, it's just showing it all. It's showing up in so many different ways, but it's nothing new. We knew it already. Yep. 
we knew it already. So now it's time to take that action and for us to move forward as we continue to fight for our children within the community. Now, you spoke a little bit about the disparity right now with children, um, youth, students over in Minneapolis not having access to technology, right? That's the laptops, that's the computers, and then also not being equipped to navigate the programs that they need to log into to get their curriculum and to actually take tests and, and things of that sort. Mm-hmm. So um, what, can, what, what can something be done right now on the school board that they can do to kind of alleviate that burden or that barrier that exists currently right now? I mean... One of the questions I ask is, why wasn't it done before, right? Um, the budget, when we're talking about budget and we're dealing with the different resources, those are things that are a need for us, right? It's not a want, it's a need. Our children need to be equipped with that technology, right? So when we're talking about budget and when we're working to make sure that our schools have what they need, those are basic needs within our schools. Mm-hmm. We have our high school students that are even um, graduating, Right? And some of them don't even know how to use um, Microsoft Word. You know, when it comes to our north side schools, some of them don't even know how to check their emails. Some of them don't even know how to um, begin to log in and the basic things like that. So then we think about the generations, right, and families. We can't just assume that families even know how to teach this stuff, right? So, again, the levels of disparity are, are so layered and what we're dealing with when it comes to this, um, um, basically to the technology and the social distancing within our schools, this digital divide that we are faced with right now. So NPR, um, they did a a news article last year, October 14th, 2019. So this is prior to COVID-19, right? And at the top of of the, the story, It says, a new report from the Federal Reserve Bank of Minneapolis finds Minnesota is one of the worst states in the country for education achievement gaps. And that's prior to Mm COVID-19. So what you're saying right now is that you think that those achievement gaps are going to get exacerbated. They're going to be worse um, after COVID-19. Because, I mean, right now, we're we're right smack down in the middle of it. (laughs) Although things are opened up, uh, this this deadly virus has still not left our society yet. So we're still trying to figure out ways to navigate around that. You're telling us right now that you think these achievement gaps are, are in fact, going to get worse, not better. They are. They are. I mean, again, if we think about the families, if we think about the situations that families are in, um, you're asking now for the parents to step up and be the teacher, right? We're asking for um, we're asking for something that hasn't been done, right? So f- families, we're used to sending our children off to school and coming back home. But now you want me to be able to manage my home. You want me to be able to manage teaching my children. You want me, and I may have multiple children. So now I got to try to figure out how to do mm-hmm. all this stuff, right? But I got to go to work as a parent. I'm still trying to make sure food is on the table. I don't have that flexibility that I have this, you know, two-family household where my husband is taking care of things, you know, so I'm trying to juggle all of this. Or you lost your job because of COVID-19, and now you're struggling to to keep food on the table, clothes on the kids' back, paying the bills. I mean, these are essential things, right, Uh, needs that aren't being met right now because of COVID. And on top of that, you're asking parents now to also step into a new profession that they were not even trained for. Exactly. Exactly. So the, the stress, the anxiety, the mental issue, the social, I mean, it's a layered effect 
that's going to play a huge role within our community and within our families. So we are, we're dealing with a situation that I, I don't know if there's the right, a right answer for it, but I know as a community, we can come up with different solutions and we can try to create ways to maybe have tutoring sessions, um, to be able to build, right, to help these families that don't have the right tools or the right equipment to be able to help their child to continue to succeed. So yes, our children are going to continue to um, fall to the wayside. The gap is going to continue to increase if we do not make sure that we're putting the right measures in place to make sure that our families and our community are being able to access resource. So as a parent and also as a resident in Minneapolis, do you feel that the current school board has included the community in some of these decisions that they've been making, some of these conversations that they've been having? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, we need to be more transparent. We need to be utilizing our local newspapers, um, the local radio stations. We need to be utilizing community engagement um, to bring the families before everything that has taken place. Even... um, the whole process with the CDD design, right? So I don't know how much you followed it or how much you know about it, but towards the end of the CDD and making that decision on whether to pass it or not, there was way more community engagement. They were trying to come out. They were being more engaged with the community. They started, or let me back it up, they ended. Actually, yeah, just just, just for the audience, just because I want them to actually be um, fully engaged and knowledgeable about what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Can you just talk a little bit a little bit more specifically about the CDD? What, 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 what does that stand for? Okay. Um, what's the objectives behind that? Just a little bit. You could touch on it briefly, and then we can go back into yep. okay. the um, evaluation of it. The, yeah, the CDD, that stands for the Comprehensive uh, District Design. Okay. And basically where they are coming in and they're redesigning the whole model of how we are schooling. It's, it's going to bring in more resources into our north um, side schools. It's basically going to disrupt the system. Right, it's going to disrupt the system as far as being able to choose which schools your child go to, um, what programs your child is able to have access to. It's going to basically, again, just disrupt the system. So everybody is going to kind of feel the disruption of it. Not only our north side schools, but our south side schools. It's going to break up the normal mm. routine, right, of our south side schools having all the resources. You know, having all the money been funneled into their schools, it's going to bring more resources into our school. It's going to give our children more opportunity um, to be able to 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 be able to um, succeed, right, and have more of an opportunity. So it's going to cause um, some disruption. You're going to have South Side families having to put their children over North Side school, depending on what uh, road or what path they want to take with their child. So as far as um, like the programs, different educational components that they choose to take, right? Mm. So it's, it's, it's a lot to it. Um, what I see that needs to happen, again, parents, teachers, staff, and community are going to have to hold the school district accountable, right? It's one thing to put things on paper. It's another thing to actually put things into action, yeah. and that's what we need to do more. We need to hold them accountable, for what they are saying that will take place within the schools, within this design um, to build stronger schools, right? So it means that we're going to have to know. The only way we can hold them accountable is if we know. Yeah. Well, if they're not coming into the community and the information is not being shared, how do we know, right? So you have to make sure that, again, this is where, to me, the school board comes in at. 
this is where you come into your community and you let the families know, you make sure you're reaching into the schools and you're letting families know that, hey, this is what's taking place. If you don't understand this, let me help you to understand. Um, we gotta do more community engagement, being open, making sure that we understand the people that we are serving, the family that we are serving, and understand their needs. Yeah, and not just engaging the community um, in the way that we have been, right? So we need to be new and innovative on how we engage folks. So it's not just a, oh, here's this link to a, a Zoom, and then we're going to change the platform, right, to a whole to teams and not tell people but send that out to a certain select group of folks <laughs> to say, oh, well, we actually did have the meeting take place. It was just on a different platform. Right. That happens all the time, all Sharon. The time. And I'm sure it, you've probably been in some of those situations where it's like, well, I, I know I had the link to this meeting. I went on a link. This meeting's been canceled. Yep. And they're in a whole different other meeting now talking about things that we should be involved in, right. and we, we just don't have access to it anymore. That's yep. happened to me on a handful of occasions, and it's frustrating when you want to be engaged, when you want to be at the table, when you want to show your community that you're there for them and the people who are in power um, try to make it very difficult to, for you to be engaged and be active. Um, yeah. th that's something that I struggle with right now as a young person as well. That, that's actually what made me decide to run for school board. <laughs> Again, yeah. it was the lack of information yeah. that I know we should have access to, right? That I know our family should have access to. And I consider myself a very actively involved parent, right? And there were still things that I had no idea that was going on, what was taking place. And, and, and again, it's, it's um, you got to know who you serve, right? Yeah. And you got to know what different measures and what different ways you can reach the people that you serve, right? So it's, it's not enough to be passive and just try to send the information home in a backpack, right? right? We right. have to do more of that. Yeah. We're in a different world. We have different ways to reach people. We have text messaging. You know, you have the Facebook. You have... Um, all these different ways to reach out to parents. So we need to be doing everything we possibly can to make sure that we are basically over-communicating, yeah. right? And once we begin that, when you're talking about your local radio station, those are all partnerships that you're building, right? So when something is happening, we can say, hey, you know, Camo J, this is what we need to put out. We need this information to be shot out into our community. We can go to North News, right? And we can say we need this information to be put out. We need to make sure that our families know where to go, where to be, who yeah. to contact, right? Yeah. When you know the people that you serve, you'll do your best to try to serve them in the best way you can. And, and Sharon, I, I hate to be pessimistic, right? Um, but I don't think that will never, it, it won't happen. I'm just going to be very frank and straightforward. I don't think it will happen. And I'll tell you why it won't happen. Okay. It's because once you have news organizations, right, media outlets involved, um, then that's that's the accountability, right, that we're talking about. And then they have to be transparent at that point. Mm -hmm. And in my time working with legislators, um, I, I've been in a lot of meetings. Um, I might lose some friends over this statement. But politicians don't want to be held accountable. They don't want to be held accountable. A majority okay. of them. I'm, there's, some, there's some good folks out there. There's some good legislators out there. Right. Um, I'm not saying all of them are bad people, have bad intentions. I'm not saying that. But there's a lot of politicians out there that don't want to be held accountable because then they have people to answer to. So then if we have KMOJ blasting information about a school board meeting that's, you know, that's happening on Friday, then guess what? There's probably going to be parents that are going to show up to it because they're listening to KMOJ mm -hmm. and they care about their kids. I'm going to go to the school board meeting on Friday. Right. Mm -hmm. um, they don't want that to happen because then guess what? They have to be held accountable. They have to be transparent in the information that they disseminate to the to the public. Right. 
And and I it mean, should happen. I, I would agree with you, but I guess that's what I would bring to the board because I will make sure that the information is being put out. I will make sure that the people know because to me, um, there's no need for a school board if you're not bringing the parents, right? We don't. So uh, I would I would think so, right? <laughs> I, I mean, I guess that's where I am um, coming in to take the action, to take the necessary steps to make those changes um, to where we, we got to be more involved. We can't just wait. Um, we can't wait any longer. We've waited long enough, right? Absolutely. We, we've waited far too long. 400 years. F- way <laughs> too long. And for me, my child is my investment, right? And so it's just like anything else. When you make an investment, you follow up on it, yeah. right? So we as parents got to do more diligent work to follow up on what we're doing with our children. I like that. I like right? that, Sharon. I mean, I, we have to. I like that. So the accountability here is that it's both ways. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to create Again, it's relationship. When we start building relationship, then you'll see everything heighten and things will start going in the right direction. I completely so, agree. Yeah. I, I, well, I, I'm excited to continue to support you, um, but I got a question for you, um, and I want you to think about this. Yeah. Are you concerned um, about making friends when you get elected to be on the school board? I know, I know a lot of folks, you know, they might not think about it at first, Right, so they can go out there, they can talk about their vision and their platforms freely, but when they get elected, it, it kind of changes a bit because they have to kind of make the people around them happy. Mm-hmm. Or making friends, uh, is that on your top priority list, Sharon? No, not at all. Not at all. I want to build relationships. I want to build relationships and trusting relationships so that you can come to me with your concerns and know that Sharon will take your concerns to the board to be addressed. And it may not be addressed in the way that you want it to be, but know that it will be addressed and that it will be at the table. So friends, a friend to me is someone who um, is going to help you whether you're right or wrong, right? Mm. I, I don't need you to be my friend just because I'm saying everything you want me to say. Mm-hmm. I need you to hold me accountable. I need you to feel like you can trust me. I need you to know that I have your, your best interests mm-hmm. at heart and that we can move forward in a trusted relationship. So wow. that's what I'm looking for. So we have a, a, a school board candidate that's saying they want to be held accountable. They want to be transparent. They want to help the community. They want to be innovative in how they think about things, and they want to create opportunities. And hopefully we're going to be able to redefine the next 400 years, right, because the narrative right now um, has, been, has, has not been controlled by our community. Right. It hasn't been. And it's time that we recapture that and we really do start to make some changes in our communities because we're going to we're the only people that can really support us, Sharon. Um, no one else is going to support us like like we can. And when I say we, I mean black folks. Right. Um, and that's the primary population over there in North Minneapolis and certain neighborhoods. It's all black. Um, and right now they're experiencing a lot of disparities. They have been for a long time. Yeah. Um, NPR um, just acknowledged it um, in their article that they um, wrote about. There's a lot of other media outlets that also write about those things, disparities. Uh, but I feel like people just don't see it sometimes, especially greater Minnesota and in our suburbs. Right. They don't see the disparities, right? We do. We live it. So with that being said, what are some of the, the greater um, barriers, obstacles, I mean tangible things, right, that we can point at and say, here's an example of a disparity. Here's an example of an obstacle that our kids face in North Minneapolis uh, and South Minneapolis and St. Paul. What, is, what are a f- few things that come to mind? I mean, one of the things, again, I'll go back to the digital divide that we're dealing with, right? Um, when we think about North Minneapolis versus South Minneapolis, you have families that Um, Again, North Minneapolis, we are not equipped. We don't have all the tools. We don't have all the technologies. Whereas South Minneapolis, you have families. I am part of several different um, 
parent groups, okay. if you will, right? And so sometimes the topics comes up and so you hear... you're an insider then. It's safe to say you're an insider. You're, yes. you're hearing these conversations. Yep. You know what's out there. Okay, yep, yep, good. Absolutely. Okay. Um, and so you'll see basically kind of on the South Side, they started creating these parents that came together, yep. right? And were helping each other when it came as far as like tutoring their students and stuff, right? So mm, again... So parent organizations tutoring students together. Yep. Yep. So again, they are making sure that they can, their children are continuing to be educated mm -hmm. in the right way, right? We don't have that <clears throat> in North Minneapolis, at least that I've seen, right? We don't have that opportunity. Um, the opportunity is there, but we have not created it yet for our families to be able to continue. So I may not n understand English, right? Mm -hmm. Or math may not be my strong subject, mm -hmm. but the parent over here may know you know, that meant me their strong subject. Yep. Let's build a coalition or a group that we can come together and we can take care of our own, right? When we can start doing things like that, we can make sure that our children, again, continue to excel and that they have what they need. And it's not, we have it amongst us, but there's mm -hmm. been no real push to kind of bring it together, if you will. So yep. that's one um, way that I would say that the disparities continue to be amongst us within our school. The other is um, when it comes to our teacher placement, right? Mm -hmm. Our Northside school get the least experienced teachers placed into our schools, right? So you give us the least experienced teachers to deal with the most diverse community, right? Mm -hmm. The ones that have the most challenges. And when you say least experienced, you're talking about freshly graduated yep. um, white women who are coming into North Minneapolis educating our, our students. I, I got to be frank. I got to be honest. That, that's what it is. It's, it's white women who just graduated from a four-year institution and they're coming to North Minneapolis and they, they're coming in with good intentions, um, but they just don't have the experience and they're not learning from these institutions mm -hmm. how to properly support this, this demographic. Absolutely. That, that's exactly what's <laughs> happening. So you have these teachers come in and at first they're all, they're high energy, right? They're ready to go. And, and if you see them after about a year's time, they're depleted. Oh, yeah. Right? They don't I, know I have, how. I, have some, I, I can say that because I have white women friends <laughs> mm -hmm. who are teachers. Mm -hmm. um, actually, like I actually have some white. I went to Winona State University. That was my alma mater. Okay. Um, so <laughs> we're known for our education program. Yeah. So I made a lot of friends there, and they will say the exact same thing. Yeah. I, I went to a school in North Minneapolis, Patrick Henry, um, and I was excited. I was looking forward to my teaching experience. I went to take all these things that I thought I learned. Yeah. And to bring it to this classroom full of kids who I thought I was going to be able to inspire and support, and six months down the line, I, I, I'm pooped. I, I <laughs> I, I'm literally, have, I, right. I'm almost want to change my career. Yeah, yeah. I have some of them come to me and say they almost want to stop being a teacher. They want to go. They want to go back to school or do social work or do something else. It's real. It's real because again, you're putting them into an environment that they don't know. They don't know the cultural. They don't know how to deal with our young black men and our young black women, right? They don't know how to teach our students. They just are not equipped, and our district is not equipping them with the information that they need. So, again, that's another area, right, where we see the disparities that take place. And then the whole accountability piece. I mean, you have some... I mean, thankfully, we have some strong principals right now over at uh, North High School and Henry High School. We have two very strong... Uh, African-American principals that are over there that are really pushing for their change, that are really um, holding their staff accountable, right? But prior to that, we did not have anyone that was really pushing for um, the accountability on the staff part. So you had 
I experienced where my son was in a social studies class. And he was being, they, the class was given uh, the video, mm-hmm. Coach Carter, to watch during this class time. Oh, I've seen that so many times in school. Right. All right. And this was 11th grade. My son was in 11th grade. So my son, you know, he's pretty headstrong. Um, he was not going to waste his time mm. sitting in his classroom watching this. So he would leave the classroom. And he would go and he would be with his deans or he would be with whoever else during this period. Well, this teacher started deciding to fail him, right? So that basically upset him because he had his goals, right? He was trying to keep his grade, his GPA up, um, and this teacher was failing him in his classroom. Wow. I didn't know about it until he brought it to my attention, right? And it comes to find out that she was failing him because he chose to leave the classroom. But had he stayed in the classroom and watched Coach Carter he would have got an A. So he still would basically was failing, right? Because now you're giving him a grade and you got him moving on as if he's receiving the information that he needs to move forward, but he's not, right? So now you're pushing my child through the classroom without the educational tools that he needs. Yeah. And so, but if you don't have someone who's holding these educators accountable, this is what takes place in his classroom. You know, you have classrooms that you go into. I have my grandson where classroom was basically art all day long. All day long. And you pass him and you send him on to fifth grade, you send him on to sixth grade, but he hasn't been equipped with any of the reading, the English, the math, the science, you know. And, and this is what's taking place. But if you don't have, again, if you don't have that person in the right role that's holding staff accountable, this is what takes place yeah. within our Northside schools. Absolutely. And then we got, some, if we look at Osseo and all these other, you know, suburban schools, right, the Minnetonkas, the whatevers, um, they're teaching their kids actually in the classroom, right? They're, they're learning critical thinking and problem-solving skills at a very early age. Um, they're diving into to some um, higher-level math skills. Mm-hmm. And, they're, and although they may not be able to do it right away, they're teaching them, slowly introducing them, and to these problems, right? And then they're working with them to get through it. We're not experiencing it. Like you said, there, there's third grade, fourth grade classrooms where it's just drawing and art. Yeah. It's just drawing and art. <laughs> and so you ask the teacher how things going, and they're saying great. You know, They're all excited because they got the students to sit all day long and do art. It's totally unacceptable. It's total failure. This, this is how the uh, achievement gap begins right this is where the failure begins and but yet you're still pushing them through the system right and so you have the district celebrating that graduation numbers are going up celebrating that you know we have all these people in attendance but they are graduating with what Mm. that's always my question what are we graduating them with right so now you have these students that are have their diplomas right but what are they equipped with most of them go away to high school or or to college and that first year, they're back because they didn't understand. They didn't learn the basic of time management. They didn't understand, you know, the basic of the math that they should be, the algebra and all the different things that they should be able to do once they enter into that first year of college. So they're all excited. But within that time frame, they're right back home because they were not able to keep up. Mm-hmm. You know, the professor is not taking that. When that professor says the paper is due, on Monday, 
June 2nd. It's due on Monday, June 2nd. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. And as a master's student, uh, I've been in school for a long time. I'm right. And uh, a higher education for six years now. Mm-hmm. When a paper's due on Monday, whatever date it is, it, that's when it's due. Right. <laughs> but when you're in high school and the teachers allow you to turn it in, you know, two, three days later, you can, you know, you create these habits. Partial credit and all these other little things that's not flying when you get to, to, to college. And it's that's unreal. why we have a lot of um, young brothers and sisters who are from our community who do go off to college, which is a great thing, yeah. but they end up failing, right? Yeah. So they get, to, they get to school, and within their first year, because they were not properly prepared in high school and in middle school, they get there and they underperform. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and that's and exactly... They, and they flunk mm-hmm. out. And we've had that happen for too long. And now they're in debt, too, now, Sharon. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's not forget about that piece. Yeah. So yeah. Our, our, our school systems fail them from middle school, really elementary. Elementary. From <laughs> elementary school, this is my perspective, right? We get failed from elementary, and then we get passed to middle school. Then we get failed in middle school, and then we pass along to high school. And then we get failed in high school, passed along to either go to the military, back into the streets, working some dead-end job that's not going to lead us anywhere. Yeah. We might, Some of us might, you know, look up and go to a vocational training program, and they might uh, earn a decent living. That's, that's a great thing, right. right? And then some of us go to colleges, universities, and then when that first year or two, we quickly realize that we've been failed our whole entire life in the education system. We take out all these loans because a lot of our, a lot of us come from families who can't afford to pay for schools, yeah. and our grades weren't that great, so we couldn't get a, a, a scholarship. So if we did want to go to college, right, we had aspirations to go to higher education to find our way out, then we have to take out loans. That's a reality. That's reality. Yeah. And then we realized that we were underprepared, and then we fail. Mm-hmm. And now I'm stuck with fifteen, twenty thousand, twenty-five, thirty thousand dollars worth of debt without that piece of paper. Yeah. And now I'm back working a job at Menards, McDonald's, not, and I'm not trying to, to knock anyone working those jobs. Yeah, I've worked those jobs in my life. Um, and, and that's a stepping stone for, for a lot of people. Right. Those are, it needs, you need to make money, right? Right. But the, the thing is, is when we have people that go to college for two years thinking they're going to graduate with a four-year degree and make that $50,000, $80,000 plus salary, and they fall short of that, and now they have debt now, mm-hmm. <clears throat> how do they dig themselves out of it, Sharon? Right. Right. So again, it's just uh, we're just spinning our wheel. Right. We got to we got to do better. We owe it to our families. We owe it to us. Right. To make sure that we are more equipped, that we are better taken care of, that we understand the process when it comes to the educational system. And again, I say it all the time, you know, even within our community, just because we look like us don't mean we're always for us. Mm. Right. What, what they say, all skin folk ain't kin folk. You got it. That, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So we have to, again, when we put these leaders in place, um, hold them accountable. So you hear it from me. Once I do make that next step and I win District 2 in, the, in the November of this year, hold me accountable because I can only get better by you holding me accountable. Absolutely. And we and we have to do that. We have to we have to hold our leaders accountable and make sure that they are responding to us um, and not just show up when they need our votes, but to continue to be amongst us and fighting for the things that we need within our community. Absolutely. Um, so, so we've we've been going for a while. We're going to wrap it up here soon. Um, but I kind of want to ask you a few more questions. So presuming that you win in November, what can we expect from Sharon Elamine? District 2 representative on the Minneapolis School Board? 
Um, I mean, one of the things that you can expect from me is uh, creating stronger parent organizations. We need stronger parent organizations within our schools so that, again, when these um, different opportunities, when decisions are being made, we can tap into the parent organizations to make sure that we have representation from all of our schools. So that would be my first starting point, is going into the schools and making sure that we have um, parent organization. Whether it's one parent, two parent, 15, 20, whatever we start with is more than we have right now. Mm. And so we need to um, make sure that we build this relationship with the parent liaisons that are in our district, right? And just see how, what role do you play? How are you really getting out here and connecting with our, our parents and our families? Um, that's one of the areas that I really want to dive into because there's an absence of parent engagements within our schools. And that is what continues to allow decisions to be made without us being a part of it, without us being able to be at the table, and we just have to do better with bringing, making sure that our parents know the value that they bring um, to our school systems. That is one of the things that I would do. But also, um, as a community, again, our community engagement, um, making sure, again, that information is shared throughout the community that we know what's going on and that we give the community a chance to weigh in and that we give the community an opportunity to be heard so that, again, when the board is making these decisions, they know what to make the decisions based off of, right? You need to understand, again, I can't say it enough, we have to understand the people that we're serving um, to know what decisions or what actions need to be moved forward. So that's another piece that I would do. Um, and really just the budget. I mean, I think it's critical for us to dive into the budget and understand exactly where the dollars are going. Mm, follow the money. Where the dollars are being <laughs> spent, right? And make yep. sure that we understand that bottom line and where things are taking place at. And again, to me, that's, that's um, the role of the school board, to make sure that our families, our community understand where those dollars are going, where they should be spent, what's working, what's not working, and how we can build together within our schools. So a lot of work to be done, yeah. but I'm ready. I've been doing the work, and I plan on continuing to Fe do the feasible work. Feasible, too, though. All, yeah. all those things that Sharon just named are feasible and are things that should already be in place. Yeah. Um, it's very unfortunate that we're here in the year 2020 just now talking about accountability, just now talking about community engagement and actual community engagement, actual, actually holding people accountable, being actually transparent. I think we say that word a lot, Sharon, mm -hmm. and no one really knows what that means to be transparent. It means to be forthcoming. Right. It, it means that if, if we have information on the top, we're disseminating it, not watering it down, but giving it to you how we received it directly to you. That's right. That's, right. That's transparency. Yep. yep. And that is what you can expect from me. So. That's amazing. Like I said, I, I'm excited. I'm excited. Um, I don't get excited around new politicians uh, a lot because I'm very skeptical. Okay. Um, even at the tender age of 24 years old, I'm very skeptical of everyone around me. Um, but, but when we first spoke, Sharon, um, you, you really just kind of you, you, you made it made me feel like the things that I'm doing, the things that I've been saying for years are actually going to start happening. Right. Um, so I thank you for that. I truly do. Um, it's inspiring. And I hope that you get to take this uh, seat. I, I know you will with the right push, with the right people supporting you, um, right people donating to the campaign. Right. Um, that's another thing that I want to talk to you about. We have all these candidates who are great candidates, right? And we, we drop the ball as a community by not supporting them, by not donating $5, $10. Um, that's a milkshake. That's an ice cream cone. Right, guys? And that could be used to really help elevate 
platforms like Sharon and other um, key community leaders and, and, and inspiring politicians who actually want to create change. Um, so that, that's my call to action for you all to donate to campaigns, um, hopefully to Sharon's, but to other campaigns in your community and really start uplifting these voices um, who are trying to fight for us, okay. um, who are trying to elevate and uplift our voice, right? So we got to help them help us. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> that, that's the thing. Um, so just any closing statements from you, Sharon? I know we talked about a lot of things. I uh, enjoyed the conversation, but anything that you want to wrap up, anything else that you want our viewers um, to, to really know about you, know about your campaign? Um, I mean, again, just continue to follow we, we need to make sure that we're following and that we know what's going on within our community. Um, don't vote blindly. Get to know the community. Hold us all accountable um, for what we say we will do and what you want to see done. Again, I think that's critical for us to make sure that we are part of um, the leadership decision that's being made, right? So if you are putting your child in that school, if Minneapolis is your home, Pay attention. Know what's going on when it comes to the political arena. Yep. Um, I know a lot of times we're following the presidential debate and we follow all this other stuff, but we have to take care of home first. Mm. We got to know what's happening in our local arena um, before we can even worry about anything outside of us. So um, follow my campaign. Um, if there's any questions or concerns that you have for me, you can reach me. Where can people follow? Where can people donate? Um, the website is www.sharon, S-H-A-R-O-N, the number four, schools.com it's www.sharon the number for schools.com um, you can reach me there you can send me an email reach out donate volunteer um, we will be out here my campaign is grassroots so we need you we need your support we need you to help volunteer phone bank um, donate like elijah mentioned five ten dollars here will go a long way so no amount is too small but again just be part of the action that I would bring for Minneapolis and District 2 and to take place. Awesome, awesome. Thank you, uh, Sharon, for joining us. I'm Elijah Norris Holiday. This is the ADOS podcast. Um, you all know who I am, so I'm not going to go through this long <laughs> uh, uh, exit introduction because I could have did this at the beginning. Um, but thank you for joining us. Thanks for everyone who tuned into the live stream. My intention was to just to give you guys a little bit uh, of it. But once we got into the conversation, I'm like, you know what? If you all want to listen in on this and, and get the whole thing, um, I should not deprive you of that. So <laughs> thank you for tuning in. We're going to be back again soon. Um, the full link to this podcast will be up um, soon here. Uh, like Sharon said, you can donate to the campaign five, ten bucks. Um, it's, it's never a, a, a small donation, right? It's just a donation. We need those five, ten dollar, fifteen dollar, twenty dollar donations. Keep them coming in. You can donate at www.sharon, S-H-A-R-O-N, the number four, schools.com. Yep. Um, thank you all um, and hope to see you all next week. Thank you. Bye.